Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And, well, they've done it. That's right, Bayern Munich have won the Champions League. They are the champions of Europe for the sixth time. Uh, fantastic news. And joining me to discuss the game and so much more, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, um, I'm I'm very good, Bryce. Um, I'm really, um, I don't want to say enjoyed this game because it was very nervy, but I think... Um, it's it's capped off a very nice weekend and a very nice week of or I guess two weeks of European football. So yeah, really good. Um can't believe we we're doing this podcast and we'll be back into Bundesliga action in like two weeks. So yeah, very short break this year between the two competitions. So yeah, lots to discuss, lots to look forward to. So yeah, really good, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. So, uh, couldn't agree more. The the game was um yeah, tense, wasn't it? <laughs> Definitely a, a few hearts in the mouth moments, I think. And yeah, after this, we're we're going to be back at it before we even know it. But um, joining Manu and myself, as always, Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Thank you. I got to watch the Champions League final as a neutral, a new experience after the last two years. But yeah, fantastic um, match, I thought. All those low scoring, obviously just the one goal, but I thought it was... A really good final, balanced on a knife edge the whole way. Um, I mean, I don't have really any allegiance to Bayern um, apart from they, you know, they play in, in the Bundesliga and I cover them and I wanted to see them win. Um, but even I was getting nervous towards the end, like I was actually watching my own side play. I was getting that nervous. I could feel my heart going. So yeah, I bought into it and it's really good to see football win out in the end. Yeah, that's it. You know, I couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, it, it was tense. It was nervy. But uh, it, it was a very enjoyable game, I think, for the neutrals as well. Um, well, I suppose we might as well get to it and discuss the game. Make contact with Zio. That's better from Thiago. Much better. Penetrating pass. Finding Kimmich. Finding Gnabry. Laid off by Muller. Kimmich again. Chance at the far post and the header is in by Kingsley Como. Breakthrough for Bayern Munich, and the goal scorer is a Parisian. And that was it. That was the goal on the 59th minute. Kingsley Coleman at the back post from a cross, an exquisite cross, might I say, from Joshua Kimmich that uh, won the game one nil to Bayern Munich. Manu, uh, well, let's let's discuss this game. I mean, where exactly does this rank in Bayern's history? I mean, another treble. Um, they've won it um, the, the first time since 2012-2013 season, which, when you say it like that, it wasn't very long ago, really, was it? Uh, their sixth title, and what a side they've been. There's a lot of records. Um, first team in the Champions League history do win every single game in the competition um they are now 
that was their 11th Champions League final. Um, only Real Madrid has been in the final more often. They are only the second team in Europe to win the treble consisting out of the Champions League and National Championship and the National Cup, right? Uh, Barcelona being the other team that has done it before. Yeah, that is, is incredible. Um, I think what this team has put together, I think is also the most goals scored um, since Barcelona have scored 45, Bayern have scored 42, but Bayern actually have done it in less games, right? Because we didn't have return games. There's a lot, a lot of good things that happened to this Bayern side. And I think the most remarkable thing about this, before we even get into this game, is the fact that I remember being at the Commerzbank Arena in November where they got absolutely smashed by Eintracht Frankfurt 5-1. And I think no one in the world would have thought that less than a year later um, or within the same season, they would put together the most remarkable run in, in their club's history and win a treble. I think um, people would have probably put me in an institute if I had suggested that at the time. And um, here we are. Now, as for the game, it's, it's, I thought it was actually a very good Bayern performance. The, the first 10, 15 minutes were, were more dominant than they were against Barcelona and um, Olympic Lyon, where they, you know, again, yes, they scored against Barcelona within seven minutes, but there were a lot of mistakes still in the back. Um, Bayern did do a lot better job defensively. I mean, they they managed to get this game over the line with a clean sheet. Um, by the way, Manuel Neuer is now, I think, the only goalkeeper who has won the World Cup final with a clean sheet and a Champions League final with a clean sheet. So like defensively, even though it was nervy, this was actually a very good Bayern performance. And I think when you read the the articles that were that came out before the game by many of the analysts, they all said that this is going to be a lot of goals, very free-flowing. Bayern Munich don't know to defend. They, their defensive line is very high. Um, they are going to... Mbappe and Neymar are going to get behind them a lot. Um, they did twice, um, but which happens in big finals, but they didn't really, really have that big of an impact in this game. And I think that really kind of put the entire... Um, storyline that we had of the match a little bit on its head because Bayern were and I know when you when you watch a game it always seems nervy because you know a one goal lead isn't quite that much but when you actually rewatch it you actually realize that they were very much in control of this game as much as you can be in control of a game when it's a Champions League final on that level I'm really curious what you think Chris um in this regard because that's you know I didn't feel like that during the game, but re-watching it afterwards, you certainly got the sense of that. Yeah, I thought um, Bayern controlled the game well. I think they were lucky in some aspects that um, Mbappe couldn't finish. I think he had a glorious opportunity first half to make it 1-0, of course. Um, Lewandowski hits a post as well in an early start. Um, you could say PSG were a little lucky there as well. But yeah, PSG did get behind um, them a couple of times, but I think their finishing let them down. Um, had they scored, I wouldn't have been particularly worried because I think this Bayern side would have been able to come back from that, um, counter that with, you know, the, the work ethic of Neymar and Mbappe when it was nil nil. I thought it was really high tracking back. A lot of criticism given to Neymar. He doesn't work hard for his side. Doesn't really buy into what Thomas Tuchel wants to do. 
I thought in this final, especially, he really bought into that. But once that goal went in from Kingsley Coman, I think all the PSG players, their heads dropped. Um, and I think that changed the match. You know, obviously, it's a very important part, a goal in a game. But sometimes it can kick a team into life and sometimes it can kick a team in the nuts. And I think this particular occasion, it kicked PSG in the nuts. But on the whole, Bayern definitely um, controlled the game. I thought Goretzka um, was not too bad, actually. I thought he stunk the first half out a little bit, but then grew into the game after that. I thought Thiago was immense. Um, the 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 three the centre three behind um, Lewandowski were excellent. Gnabry, Komen and Muller. Um, I was a little surprised when Kingsley Coman came off and Serge Gnabry, but I can understand it, freshen it up those last 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed because, yeah, you're quite right. People did say that Bayern would have a high line and, and maybe not that they couldn't defend, just that they might struggle to defend with the speed of Mbappe and Di Maria and Neymar. Um, and I think at times they did struggle a little. Um, I know Alfonso Davies is only young, I thought he looked exceptionally nervous at times, picked up an early harsh yellow card, um, but then looked a little nervy. And I think we can expect that because it obviously means a lot to him and he is so young. But I think everybody around him helped him. I thought Coman helped him on that side. Goretzka helped him when he came over, transitioned over. Um, Alaba, of course. Yeah, it was a good performance by Bayern and, and a little bit of a plan B as well um, that I saw coming up where they don't have to go for the throat they can sit back a little they can take their time and it doesn't have to be 100 mile an hour every single time they're quite happy to recycle play and in the UK there was um some of the commentary on the game was that they were surprised that Bayern went backwards well I wasn't really you know Bayern are very good at recycling play if it's not on in the last third of the pitch play all the way back to Neuer and look at going at the other side again um it was no surprise for me I, I thought they controlled the game well and when you look at the, I know possession stats do little, really, because you can win a game on 15% possession stats, but the possession stats in this particular game showed how much control Bayern had. Um, on another day, this game could have been 3-2, but as it was, it, yeah, I thought it was a, a little nervy towards the end. But I think once it got past that tremendous Neuer save, I think Mbappe was offside anyway. Um, it got past that beautiful save that he made. And then um, Chupamoting really missed what was quite a, a, an easy finish in the end. I, I pretty much knew the engraver could get Bayern's name on a trophy. It was their night. It's interesting what you say about uh, Davies, because you're quite right. I think he was nervous in the beginning too. But he played the first half against Angel de Marina, Maria, who um, I just saw this statistic goes through my Twitter feed. This was the lowest who scored um, rating he had for the entire season. Um Di Maria was did not, was pretty much taken out of the game. Now, how much that was Davies is doing, or if that's just a coincidence that they were on the same side, um, you know, maybe the analysts can take a look at this. But then in the second half, he played against Mbappe, and Mbappe didn't exist in the second half. So, uh, yeah, nervous, but still got the job done as a 19-year-old. That's impressive, I would say. Extremely impressive. I, th I think he's had a... a Fantastic year, hasn't he? And we will touch on um, Davies a little bit uh, further into the podcast. But let's um, let's just talk about the uh, the game and wh where it exactly ranks, I suppose. Uh, Chris, um, 
I mentioned earlier that the last time that they uh, won the Champions League was against Dortmund. That was 2012-2013. Um, some people comparing uh, that Dort or that Bayern side to this uh, Bayern side. Um, where exactly do you say that this, um, you know, game maybe ranks in their history? But also, you know, if, if you look at the two sides, can we possibly compare? I know that team was very good. They won the league by, you know, a significant amount of points. But when you look at where Bayern have come from this season, and you know, as Manu said, it was a pretty low time at the beginning of the season, right up till about November. It's, it's a hell of a transformation. Yeah, it's a transformation. I mean, if you want to compare them to the side that beat Dortmund, I would say that this is probably on a similar level, just because where they've come from. Um, obviously, the, the names maybe aren't as big, um, but I think there's some emerging names that will be just as big. But... Yeah, I mean, this is a team that, I mean, Manu said, were absolutely thrashed by Eintracht Frankfurt. And then um, Flick comes in and, and you know, guides them to a couple of good games against Dortmund and, and Fortuna. But then the wheels did come off a little bit. But then after December the 7th, when they were beaten 2-1 by um, Gladbach, they never lost a game again. Um, and we're in August. Um, and I know we had a little bit of a break, but that is still a tremendous um, achievement you know, they only drew one game after that, and that was a game against Leipzig that Manu and I watched in um, in a bar in Hamburg. But outside of that, you know, they they pretty much blitzed past everybody. You look at their record in the Pokal, um, it was very, very good, very professional as well, especially if you look at the final, um, the games after that round of 16, the quarters and the semis, I think, were, were very professional. Um, Hoffenheim took them to the limit. The Champions League after December was just unbelievable. There was that game against Spurs, obviously, and then um, there was the two games against Chelsea and Barcelona, Olympic Lyon, and obviously the final. But there were some really good results in the Bundesliga as well. Um, you know, some six nils, some five nils, a um, couple of fours, a four two. Last day was four nil. They just went on a sensational run. And where will the final rank? Normally, finals are pretty trash, to be honest. Um, they're a nervy affair. And I think this one was, was quite a good final. Um, outside of that, one of the best finals I can remember was actually the final in Berlin itself, in the Olympiastadion, where Barcelona beat um, Juventus 3-1. I think that was probably the last really top-level final. I know Real Madrid beat Liverpool um, by a similar scoreline, but I think there was a couple of errors in that game. It wasn't the best final. Um, one last season certainly wasn't the best final to watch if you're a neutral. But um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good final. It's all about winning the trophy. I don't think anybody remembers if you've had a good season, if you fall at the last. I mean, PSG have had a really good season. Um, you know, they've won everything um, and they were after a treble themselves, but they will be remembered as not winning the Champions League. And I think maybe this Bayern side would have been remembered for that as well. For Yeah, they had a good season, but they didn't win a Champions League. And, and now they've done that. And it is a historic treble, as Manu said. Um, but ranking in, in the best European finals of all time, I think if you want to look at it tactically, I think it was a really good showing by both coaches, to be honest. Um, and they both got their teams very disciplined and played well. And it came down to one crucial movement in the end. Um, but I think the team that beat Dortmund was a very successful side, which then obviously added to that um, with a couple of players afterwards. I think this particular Bayern side is is a good side but it's tempered with experience with the likes of Lewandowski and Muller um, and Boateng and Neuer. But there's also that youth element, Davies and Coman and Serge Gnabry 
Um, and, you know, there's some players on the bench that never got a, a look in, but will be there or thereabouts next season, adding Leroy Sane to this side as well. Um, it's Bayern have got a really good future, which is pretty daunting for the Bundesliga because it was only six, seven months ago we were talking about um, is this Bayern side, is that it? Is that it for this Bayern side? Of course, they were knocked out the round of 16 last season. Um, they limped to a double. If you can limp to a double, I think they did limp to a double. And they weren't particularly good at this start of the season. And we were all saying, yep, this is it now. There's a new wave of clubs coming in. Leipzig, Dortmund are rebuilding. Um, but they've blown that all away. And the way they've played in the last few um, weeks when football came back, um, I wouldn't be surprised to go on and see them win 10 Bundesliga titles in a row, which is not going to be great for people who are listening and who are fans of Frankfurt. I know we've got a lot of Frankfurt fans in the States, a lot of Dortmund fans as well. I know we do have a lot of Bayern fans who listen to this. But for the rest of the league, it's it's not good. It's not good listening, and unfortunately, um, that's just the way football is sometimes. And it, it's going to take a hell of a a hell of a title challenge from somebody to stop them. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch this season coming um, when it all kicks off because this Bayern side, uh, you know, they're on such a fantastic run of form. It does have to stop at some point. I, I don't think any team can go on. You know, when I think it's 21 games on the run and then go and win, an, you know, another 34 and maybe four or five in the Pokal and maybe six or seven again in the Champions League. It does have to come to a stop. And it's how the teams around them deal with that stop, because unfortunately, Leipzig and Dortmund both stuttered um, when when Bayern had a problem. So I really want to see that be be taken advantage of by the other clubs, that when that little plateau does happen or that little dip, the other clubs need to be there ready to, to push by into the limit because I think if they're pushed, they, they respond in a way that maybe sometimes will get them a result, sometimes won't get them a result. And it'll be interesting watching for me. Yeah, that's it. It's a fantastic achievement uh, by Bayern, not just to win the treble, but there's so many stats that go along with it, isn't there? And one of them is that, as Manu said, that they've won every game on their way to their final. They've also got the highest goal score and the most amount of goals in the tournament. It really is a, a rather special Bayern side, and I can see why people are comparing them to that team. Yeah, it feels really good. It feels really good. It feels like... You know, it's everything you dream of as a kid. Um, you know, growing up in Edmonton, cold Edmonton, you know, coming to Europe and winning Champions League with a great club like mine is just everything Come you can on. ask for. Come on! Okay, well, that was Alfonso Davies, which we just um, heard from. Uh, he's had a fantastic tournament, as we touched on a little bit uh, previously. Um, Manu, he. It's just a really remarkable um, how good the Canadian has been this season. Uh, he's been one of the standout performers, hasn't he? And we've talked about him plenty on the podcast, but you know, there's just not enough good things that you can kind of say about him, is there? And yes, maybe he started a little bit nervous in this game, but the kid's 19. It's it is fantastic for him. You know, wait until you're actually a finished product, right? Because he's definitely still a long way away from that. No, it's it's great. Um, this is this is a really good thing, not just for Canadian Canadian soccer, but soccer on this continent, football on this continent. Then um, in the build up of the twenty twenty six World Cup, to have a player who plays at one of the best teams in the world right now, the best team in the world, right, taking over the mantle from Liverpool, who were fantastic last year. Um, I think this is this is an amazing thing for for the sport. Uh, in North America because it's not just that 
he is extremely good at what he's doing at a very young age, but he also has a personality to go with it. Um, every interview he does, um, his TikTok videos are uh, famous. He, um, his social media presence is uh, second only to Lewandowski now, I believe, at Bayern. It, it's it's an incredible, incredible thing. And um, this this will catapult the sport in Canada to another level because Alfonso Davies is, is is going to be the face um, of sports, not just soccer. It's going to be one of the faces of sports in this country. And that, that's a really great thing um, in, in many ways. Um, as for his performance, yeah, as I said, I think he had his few wobbles, but then um, he also had the balls to head back that ball to Manuel Neuer in a, a really daunting situation. And I, I don't think you see that very often from any player at uh, a Champions League final. So uh, I think he, he's getting, he's he has still has his like moments where you see like, yeah, he has to learn, but um, he's learning so quick at the highest level, um, which I think you haven't really seen for many talents out there, um, let alone from a Canadian talent. Yeah, he really is a talent. And Manu, you said you know, see a, a few moments of, you know, you just realize that you know, he is um, the age he is. But I must say they're pretty few and far between, aren't they? He really has been something uh, spectacular. And you know, we look forward to seeing him in, in you're playing in the Bundesliga for many years, we hope, as we're doing this podcast. Eh? So, um, Chris, I'm going to go to you um, for this one. I mean, I suppose if we're looking beyond Bayern, which um, is hard to do after such a performance and all the stats that we've read out, but um, RB Leipzig also reaching the uh, semi-final competition. I mean, that was a fantastic achievement for them as well, wasn't it? Uh, it? It was a good semi-final for German coaches, but also German clubs. I think like to get to the semi-final was a tremendous achievement. Um, and they maybe wobbled a little bit in the end, uh, but that's only natural because of the lack of experience. But the way that they um, dispatched Atletico Madrid for me showed that they have really got a chance next season of going a little bit further than they did this season domestically. So there was times last season where they dropped points they should never have done. Um, and, you know, they they drew a lot without looking at the stats off the top of my head. I think it was 12 draws. Um, that's not good enough to sustain a title fight. And in that game, we saw them against Atletico Madrid. They were able to, you know, turn a situation that I think if it was in the Bundesliga, they would have dropped points into a winning situation. And that is uh, that is really good for me to, to show that, that they can do that next season domestically. I think that will help them along and, and maybe make up a little bit of the shortfall that we saw occasionally from them. Uh, I think this result or, you know, the, how far they got in the competition will really give them strength mentally to go on next season um, in a competition and also take that next step. They've obviously got to a cup final um, domestically, lost out, got to a semi-final, lost out. They, they've come second in the league before they come third in the league. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they build from that. But it looks like Julian Nagelsmann's building blocks are certainly working and they managed to keep hold of some big players. Okay, they've lost Timo Werner, um, but it looks like they're going to get some sort of replacements for that coming in as well. Uh, obviously, Huang's come in um, from Salzburg, but it looks like they're going to get someone to replace Schick, who could be, well, off anywhere, really. Leverkusen um, are interested. I think Gladbach were interested as well. That's, um, Hertha Berlin were even interested, so he could end up staying in the Bundesliga, but they will need to replace him. But they've got some really good building blocks, and and that's exciting to see. You know, if you're a Leipzig supporter or you're interested in Leipzig at all, they they do have 
the ability there to grow that side and I think that's what Julian Nagelsmann will take away from this season. I don't think it can be a disappointment for them because they are such a young side, you know, 11 years old in essence, um, and they're learning constantly. But I've seen a different side of them in this finals competition in Lisbon, which gives me hope for them going into the new season. Yeah, indeed. I think it's uh, good times for RB Leipzig and um, I'm sure next season will be a, another exciting one for them and their fans. Um, Manu, I suppose if we look even beyond the Champions League, um, let's talk the Europa League. Um, how do you feel that the uh, German size got on this year? I know uh, when football returns, I-, I think the three of us... It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're all feeling like Leverkusen could really, you know, push that and get to the final, you know, possibly get that Champions League spot, but it didn't really happen for them. Yeah, you can't win the Europa League if Sevilla is still in it. Um, it's just not possible. <laughs> I think they should rename that trophy Sevilla Cup. No, but look, I really think that the Europa League is where German teams are underperforming. And um, it is... It, it is a bit disappointing, really. Um, I think, yeah, Leverkusen went out against a very strong Inter Milan side and that, that final between Inter Milan and Sevilla could have gone the other way too, right? Um, it was a um, bicycle kick deflected by Lukaku in its own goal that decided that match and could have, as I said, going the other way. So Inter Milan were a very good side. I think there's no shame for Leverkusen to go out against Inter and it was a closely contested game. What bothers me is Wolfsburg going out against Schachter Donetsk. Um, that's not necessary. Wolfsburg are a team that have the same budget as Atletico Madrid. And look what Madrid do every year, right? You can say the same thing about other teams that play in the Europa League um, on a consistent basis. I mean, we had Frankfurt last year go to the semifinal and they did, they did represent Germany quite well. I thought you know, it was essentially one free kick um, that prevented them from going to a final, which I think they would have won against Arsenal. But the Europa League is really where it is for me. Bundesliga teams need to take that more serious. I know that Bayer Leverkusen are a side that promised that they would take it more serious. It looked like they were going to take it more serious. Um, I hope that next year the teams that have qualified, Wolfsburg are among them, um, are going to take this competition more serious and that we're finally going to see someone win it from the Bundesliga because I think it is a competition that is winnable and it is a route to the Champions League, right? Something that we can't forget. So my great... I, I thought that the German teams in the Champions League have done really well. Um, even Dortmund were very close of actually going through to the, the next round. It could have easily been Dortmund in that final rather than PSG. You have to remember that. And um, I think in the Champions League with Leipzig, Dortmund and Bayern, we will have three very good teams again next year. Bayern are probably going to be among the favorites um, to, to probably defend the title. Dortmund are going to go very deep in the Champions League, I'm pretty sure of it. And Leipzig are going to build on what they have. They, they need a number nine. 
Um, so in the Champions League, I think we're fine. Gladbach is going to be a bit of a mixed bag, but you know they might get relegated to the, the Europa League and go hopefully deep in that competition then. And I think that's really important. It's important for the standing of the Bundesliga that teams are taking the European competitions a bit more serious because it does reflect the depth of the league a bit more. Um, but overall, I think, what grade would I give? I would probably give it a C plus. Um, this year, last year was um, close to an F <laughs> because of the, the Champions League performances. This year was a lot better. And I think the Bundesliga overall um, highlighted that the league is is very strong. I think Bayern actually had an easier time winning the Champions League than the Bundesliga. And that says a lot about um, Bayern's strength, but also how they're being challenged um, in the Bundesliga. And I, I think there's going to be some questions about um, about Bayern and what's going to happen with them next year. Um so we're going to be talking about that a bit more in depth, but I would say a C plus. Curious, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, it was the it was the Europa League, unfortunately, that let German sides down. Um, I know Bayer Leverkusen desperately wanted to win that competition, as you said. It was in essence a home tournament for them. Cologne's just down the road, as is Duisburg and Dusseldorf and and all and Gelsenkirchen, where all the games were played. So it was a prime opportunity for them to maybe get that trophy that they're so after, so desperately after. But yeah, outside of that, it was a poor show in the Europa League. And yeah, you're quite right with the clubs going the way they did, with you know, two clubs in the last um, in the last four. I don't think you can complain at that. It's going to be interesting for me to see how Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim get on next season. Um, Wolfsburg should be able to rectify some of those problems. Hoffenheim, it's going to be very interesting to see how they get on. Leverkusen again, I think they are very strong. I mean, they they were obviously in the Champions League group stage last season. Uh, we were in, you know, in the Bay Arena for the last game against Juventus. Both Manu and I were there, and you know, I thought they played quite well that night. And obviously, they were let down early on against um, Lokomotiv Moscow. I think it was where they let themselves down on that first game. So they do have the talent and ability. It's just whether they can keep all the Kai Havertz, which looks like uh, a mission impossible at the moment. Chelsea seem very keen to take them, uh, take him off their hands and that will be a big loss for me, um, for Leverkusen because I think he's, you know, not only he's a poster boy, he's pretty much key to the way they play. So if somebody does offer the right money, um, it will be, it'll be hard for them to replicate the same highs, I think. So, but what I think what we all understand is that Leverkusen have got exceptional recruiting. So, you know, should they lose him? Um, I don't think... Maybe they'll have a problem long term. It's just how they deal with it initially. But yeah, I mean, I would, I probably go a little bit higher. I'd probably go for a B minus myself, and and that's because you know Bayern won it. Dortmund were eventually put, well, Dortmund were put out by the eventual finalists, and um, as were Leipzig. So yeah, on the whole, a, a pretty decent European season. Yeah, that's it. I don't think we can be too unhappy, can we? Just. Uh need to probably perfect that Europa League uh, performances, really. But, um, guys, uh, probably um, some of the listeners are saying, yeah, I wanted more uh, Bayern Munich. Um, but that's what we've got our questions section for. So we've got three very good questions here um, that have been tweeted in. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Bayern. So let's start off with our first one. And I will go to... 
Uh, why don't we go to Chris for this one, eh? So, with Bayern having arrived three weeks before the Pokal on the 11th, 12th, and the first uh, match on the 19th, does the short break help or hinder them with player management? That question comes in from Andrew. Yeah, it's a really good question, Andrew. Um, I would say at the moment it benefits them, but the schedule for next season is relentless. Um, you know, there's there's pretty much European games every week, um, and when there isn't a European or domestic game, there's an international game. So I think at the moment it won't hurt them, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Bayern carry on the same trajectory and build up quite a big lead. I will be interested to see how they cope round about January. Um, you know, when when it's when it's getting a little bit tight, back end of January, start of February, when they've been playing for a long time with minimal breaks, um, it will it will interest me to see how they cope with that. They do have the squad to be able to cope with that. I think you'll see more of the likes of Cousins, etc. Um, but I don't think it will it will hinder them short term, but long term is is anybody's guess. Um, yeah, it, it will be very interesting for me to see how they deal with, you know, that um, late winter, early spring running. Well, I might as well go to Manu on this one as well. I mean, Manu, how do you feel they're going to get on it? Would you feel that this is going to be a, a hindrance as well? I mean, players quite often talk about you not having a, enough rest and th- this will certainly be a year where, you know, yes, there was a break before uh, we returned to football, but this is a rather short-lived uh, summer break for these players. Yeah, I, I'm actually glad this question was brought up because um, I, th- I thought I <laughs> wanted to say this earlier when Chris uh, was was talking about the, the Champions League win, um, and I think it's it's a good answer for this one, and maybe even touches a little bit on the next question. So I'm going to hold back a little bit, but I think this is in a sense the same thing as when um, the national team plays and goes deep and wins a tournament. Um, we didn't have that because the Euro was cancelled this year. But I think that Bayern are basically facing a situation similar to when Germany go deep into a tournament and the national team players return late. And um, that is something that they are quite good at. Um, they they used to be a national team slump. Um, whenever the national team had done very well at international tournaments, Bayern usually had a bad year the following year. Um, but... Hansi Flick, I think the way he manages the squad is uh, very impressive. There is a couple of new players coming in. Uh, Tangway, um, Kouizi is one. Um, Leroy Zane is, is, is another. Um, I think they're going to, will have to find a replacement for Thiago, but I think it's going to be, there's going to be some players that are going to get managed. But it will it will be an, it will be a tough talk task for them and something that's maybe a little bit easier um for for the other teams and their competitors like Borussia Dortmund so i don't want to take away too much away from the from the next question Bryce but um it is going to be very difficult as chris said yeah, absolutely. It really is. Uh, Bayern, you know, as we said, will be uh, returning to action in only 18 days' time, where they'll be facing in the Pokal FC Duran. Yeah, um, haven't heard of them. We'll probably do a little preview before that, uh, I'm sure, you know, and we'll fill you in exactly who they are. But the next question is Mike from Victoria. And Chris, you talked a, a little bit about this uh, previously, uh, but Mike asked, with how powerful Bayern Iron are right now with some small issues to work out seen during the Champions League final 
Does the likes of Dortmund, Leipzig, Gladbach, Leverkusen even have a chance to derail the Barbarians from achieving their ninth straight Bundesliga title? Mm, yeah, another good question. Bundesliga, I'm not so sure on. I think we might have a different winner of the Pokal, um, purely because you know what we said previous the 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 small amount of rest or the short amount of rest they've got, the intensity of the games coming back midweek weekends, the intensity of being able to defend your Champions League, um, the intensity of being able to defend your title. I think if any one of the three would slip, it would be the Pokal. Um, and I don't mean that because they will take it less serious. I just think there's more root for a shock there. Um, I think somebody, I mean, the amount of times they just about got past the side. I mean, um, Heidenheim not so long ago, um, Hoffenheim last season, you know, there was occasions when they were taken right to the wire. Verde Bremen the season before that. Um, there's just been a few instances in that competition where I think if one of the three has to go by the wayside or if one of the three has to be supplemented by um, not particularly the first 11, it would be that. And I don't mean he'll put a, I don't mean flick up a reserve side out far from it, but if there's, if there's a Champions League game due or there's a national side game due or there's a, a crucial Bundesliga side game due, he will have to manage his squad and, and some of the fringe players will get the chance and that will give others they're drawn against an opportunity to maybe cause an upset. Bundesliga, it's going to be hard. I mean, I said it earlier, Bayern will not win. I mean, I might be made to look really foolish here, but Bayern will not win 34 matches out of 34 next season. Not after the run they've just had, not be trying to defend their Champions League. So when the slump does happen, if they lose two games or even three games, you know, we saw them lose two games last season on the bounce. Leipzig and Dortmund have to get six points out of six if Bayern are dropping six points. They have to get nine points out of nine if Bayern are dropping nine. If Bayern draw a couple of games, they need to pick up three points where Bayern pick up one point. That's the only way. And unfortunately, last season, Dortmund were their own worst enemies at times, as were Leipzig. Um, Gladbach ran out of steam eventually. Um, it, they're gonna; Those sides are not going to have... They're pretty much going to have to have a perfect season. And it's going to... It's going to be hard for Leipzig because they want to go deep in the Champions League. But if it comes to a situation where, you know, Bayern have struggled on a couple of games and and they're within one point or they're one point ahead or you know they're even two points ahead, they're going to have to make the decision how they're going to approach the rest of the competitions and and similar for Dortmund as well. And if if either of them two have got an eye on the title, um, if they get any clear daylight, for me they may have to forego the other competitions they're in, which will be. Um, another difficult choice for them, but I can't see them. I know we're not even into the season yet. Just the way they played, I can't see them not winning the title next season. And that's purely because of the way the others around them drop points when they shouldn't really have picked them up. If the teams around them can sort out their own issues, I think Bayern might have a job um, get into that nine in a run next season. Yeah, this is... Uh, thanks, Mike, for asking this question. Um, and this is what I want, kind of wanted to get into, Bryce. This is, I think, this late season this year for Bayern, with just having finished the Champions League, could open the door just slightly for Dortmund if they get a good start. Because I could see Bayern, they're celebrating now. 
they've won the Champions League. They have completed a, a historic season. They're going to likely lose Thiago, so there will be some reshuffling. They are going to add players very late this year because, you know, Flick will want to have replacements and the way things are going with the market. It's very, very difficult, right? Dortmund's team is set and done. They are, have been training in training camp um, for, I think, two weeks now. Um, it's August 24th, as we record. So exactly two weeks when they issued that ultimatum to Manchester United and said, like, we're not get selling Jaden Sancho anymore. And it's gone quiet. I mean, this deal is off, which means they're going to keep Jaden Sancho. And Dortmund will have to come out flying. They will have to come out flying out of the gates and they will have to pick up every single point they can right from the get-go and make use of Bayern maybe being a little bit off the beat at the start of the season because of the short time that they had and maybe still trying to replace certain parts like Thiago fitting in Leroy Sané. You know, that that is maybe that I can give the Bundesliga for maybe a new champion. And I think it's only the only hope is Dortmund. I think Leipzig um, are going to be busy replacing players next year. They're going to be a very strong side. But I don't think, for me, also because they're going went deep into the Champions League, it's the same factor. It's essentially only one game less than Bayern played, right? The only hope for a different champion in the Bundesliga next year is Dortmund. And I think it's also going to be Lucien Favre's last run as a head coach. And... Um, they have to make use of a potential Champions League winning slump that Bayern could face. Um, so, yeah, that's my my answer to this. Yeah, I must say it's going to be rather difficult for any of those sides to compete with the Bayern side that we've seen uh, this uh, calendar year, isn't it? But you never know, fatigue might cause a little bit of an upset or at least make things a little bit more challenging for the champions. But uh, final question of the day uh, comes from Fritz, who, Chris, we've talked about Manuel Neuer um, previously um, and how good he is. But he asks, where does Neuer rank in all-time goalkeepers now that he's the only keeper to win two trebles and keep a clean sheet in both the World Cup and Champions League final, which Manu mentioned. Uh, he had a fantastic game, didn't he? And uh, a player that maybe last year... Um, um, some people were almost writing off, but he, he's looked fantastic. Yeah, since Hansi Flick's come in, he has looked at you know the Manuel Neuer that we all knew. I think under Niko Kovac, he was one of many who took a slump. Um, I think he gave away a few unnecessary goals under Kovac. And I think that comes from not being in a happy place. Now, you know, obviously he's taken himself to his happy place now. Hansi Flick's in, and he's pretty much won everything he can again. And where will he rank in all-time greats? I mean, he's up there with the likes of Oliver Kahn, etc., um, because of, of, of just what he's won, um, not domestically, but internationally and on the European scene as well. Um, if I'm Alexander Nubel, I'm probably looking to go on loan immediately because the way he's playing at the moment, I can't see I can't see him getting these mythical, was it 12 or so games that he's going to be guaranteed? I literally can't see him getting them. <laughs> it's going to be a real problem for him. But where does he rank? Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best in the world at the moment. I mean, it's it's always hard to say who's the best goalkeeper in the world because, you know, there are so many good keepers at the moment. Um, Manuel Neuer is certainly up there with the likes of our Black and Alisson. Um, I don't think anyone's going to um, say he's not. Um, and for me, he's he's as good as those others because he can use his feet and he can use his 
his hands as well, and not just his feet. I mean, to play the ball with. If you look at some of the big saves he made yesterday, you know he spreads himself so well, um, and some of those saves are with his feet, which you don't normally get from a goalkeeper. Um, yeah, he's, he's world class, um, and he is definitely. If you're talking about who's the best goalkeeper in the world, he's definitely up there. I mean, he's just won everything that he can win with his club. So that pretty much puts him on the top at the moment. He was I don't think he was the best last year at all. I think that was um Allison who's the best keeper in the world. But, you know, he's he's I don't think Allison's done anything wrong. I think Manuel Neuer's just come back to challenge him for that and not black as well. I think, you know, you saw his performance at Anfield, which ultimately um dumped the dumped the holders out at that time and got them to Lisbon. So yeah, he, he's another keeper who deserves all the plaudits. But I think Manuel Neuer's pulled himself back from possible written off, not just by people in the media, but by people in his own club. I don't think they go after Alexander Nubel now if they knew what Manuel Neuer was going to get back to, the levels he was going to get back to. So it's going to be very disappointing for Nubel, I think, as I just mentioned. But all-time keepers? Yeah, I mean, he's up there for me. One of the best all-time German keepers. I think we'll only know how good he truly is, like like any player, once they retire. Um, because everybody's quite nostalgic and they go, oh, yeah, but, you know, remember Oliver Kahn was really good and he did this? Or, you know, you can mention all keepers that have retired, but it's only when they finished and you look back and you go, actually, there's a Manuel, there's a Manuel Neuer-sized hole in that goal now and that's how good he was. And only time will tell, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> He doesn't look like he's going anywhere. Most goalkeepers can go until they're 35, 36 if they look after themselves. And, you know, he looks as good as he did when he was at Schalke and Bayern took him off off their hands. So it's going to be a real difficult one for any keeper to, to challenge him to be the best in the world at the minute. Yeah, I think he is the best. <laughs> it just is. Um, I think the reason why he is the best for me, Bryce, is because... There was so much talk about how high Bayern play. And if that is any other goalkeeper, no matter how good or better, you know, there is keepers that have better statistics than Neuer, but no other keeper in the world would allow them to play like that. And um, it was the same for them in the World Cup final for Germany. No other keeper in the world would have allowed to play them like that. And coincidentally, Flick was the assistant coach. And probably, as we now see, and I, I think this is, come quite evident was probably more in charge of Germany winning the World Cup than maybe been people give him credit for. But Chris is quite right. He has put so many players into the happy place, including Manuel Neuer. And Manuel Neuer has basically been as good as he's ever been, which has allowed Bayern to play with this extremely high defensive line and this extremely high defensive line that has led to one of the most historical results, two most historical results we've probably ever seen in world football, that 8-2 against Barcelona, which in my opinion ranks exactly the same level as that 7-1 against Brazil, where he was also in goal, right? And I think that is, goalkeepers are so difficult to statistically quantify um, because we only look at shot stopping, we're only looking at the, the, the big chances that they avoid and you know, domination in the box. But he is so much more than that. He's essentially an extra field player. And there's other players that, other goalkeepers that are similar to it, but no one plays it as well and as dominant as he does. And that is, in my opinion, I, I don't see anyone out there who can do it. I, I see glimpses of other keepers sometimes doing something similar, but not at this level for this long 
with that many trophies. And I think that's for now, he's, he's in my opinion, the number one. And um, it's going to be very difficult for all these other goalkeepers out there to challenge him. And yeah, it's kind of terrible to be an Alexander Nübel right now. <laughs> that transfer, that decision seems like a terrible decision at the moment. Um, and yeah, I think it's 15 games, Chris. I just can't see it. Yeah, not a good time to be behind a goalkeeper in such form. Eh? And what a player and what a performance in that Champions League final. So, uh, Chris, um, that more or less does it for the podcast. But what are you, what are you going to do for the next 10 days when there's no German football? I mean, how will you cope? Um, I'll cope. I'll just take a break. Well, that's it. Those, those 10 long old days. Manu, what, what, what are you going to get up to? I suppose there's nothing else to do, really. Uh no, I I guess I uh, just enjoy having it as a little bit of a slower time. No, I'm kidding. There's there's transfers. I work for Transfermarkt, right? So busy, but a lot gets not dictated by match schedules, which is going to be nice. Yeah, well, as as I said, that more or less does it for the podcast um, for this season. But um, as we mentioned here, we're going to be back uh, rather soon, just a few weeks time. We will do a a preview podcast uh, for the new season coming up and you'll blink and the new season will be upon us. Thank you for tuning in Uh, once again. We appreciate you listening uh, this season and yeah, bring on the new season. Uh, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn and I'll be there soon. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at Conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.